the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. What a day, what a day. Uh, The Durham Report, the Durham Report, which is a report on, uh, well, I guess the FBI's malfeasance and the Department of Justice's uh, coverage, uh, the Mueller report and everything is out. Uh, I guess it doesn't say, I haven't read, it's 316 pages. I haven't read the whole thing. Uh, but I, I, I want to tie something together for you because the headline from the, the, um, the, the headline from the New York Times front page says, quote, Durham's final report condemned the FDI, FBI, but found little new. That's it. Well, uh, it's sort of true. It found that there was a lot wrong with what was going on with the intelligence community and with this investigation. But that's the way the New York Times characterizes it. And my point is this. Over the weekend, as I told you often, I like to read Politico because Politico, Politico.com, you can see how the what I call the smart left thinks. But they're still lying and spinning us all the time. So there's a lengthy article. In fact, the, the magazine for this month, uh, the magazine of Politico is called The Betrayal Issue. And it's all about betrayal. I don't even know what that means. But if you look at the headline, if you look at the uh, articles in there, it's about uh, people that um, stole money from a, 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 ta- a small town. Um, uh, articles uh, about um, uh, four betrayals that explain America by that Joshua Zeitz guy who I've talked about. Well, also, one of the uh, articles is about the book. Uh, Robert Putnam wrote a book, sort of famous book, not sort of, but very famous. And the book is about, uh, it's called Bowling Alone. And as it's described, he's a Harvard political scientist, so he must be smart. And it's called a now canonical book, Bowling Alone, which was written in 2000 and basically said people are more fragmented than, than ever before. And they don't join bowling leagues, but they still go bowling alone. But the problem with this is they say it's a public trust that's betrayed. And then they don't, they basically say, Oh, the public trust is betrayed, but don't worry. It's really going to come back. And then Putnam says he has great confidence that there's going to be a moral reawakening, moral reawakening. And I think, Oh, good. People are going to go back to church and all. And then he goes on and says, David Hogg, the Parkland, uh, shooting, uh, activist and Greta Thunberg, who's, insane positions and exploitation of her youth to try to push the climate hoax is crazy. Those two inspire him. And then they go on for a lengthy article about how Robert Putnam and his deep thoughts, his mind and blah, blah, blah. Front page of Politico is that there, there's a fear, fear. There's a fear that there might be, according to one of the senators, if you can believe it, one of the senators, I forget which one now, I can't believe that I, I'm, I'm glad. It, it might have been Blumenthal, Blumenthal. It might have been Blumenthal who says, the uh, one from Connecticut, who says basically, you know, um, there could be, there could be a really huge reaction 
a huge reaction um, to people's desire for gun control. What? Is he serious? Nobody. That, that, that's such the that's the, one of the fakest of fake grassroots things. And over the weekend, they showed images of of obviously uh, a, a fake so-called uh, white supremacists marching around D.C. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy. But here's my point. Here's what you need to know. The there is a lack of trust that the public has in our systems. And the Durham report shows that. The Durham report, and I've only read, as I said, it's 316 pages. I think it's that's how long it is. I have not read the whole thing. I've I've looked closely at the table of contents. I read the the initial uh, maybe 40 pages, and I've gone to some of the sections to see like Crossfire Hurricane, the the the, the entity that was uh, set up to try to get Flynn among others. When you're done reading this, you have to have. I think you have to believe when you're done. That we have institutions, including the FBI, that seem to be against us. They seem to be thoroughly against we the people. Uh, yeah, let's see, yeah, three hundred sixteen pages. So I'm not. I mean, I haven't read it yet. I mean, to be in in my own defense. Um, and uh, the um, uh, but my point here is this: the betrayal of trust is not um uh, uh foreign. It's not. Uh, um, somewhere out in the country. It's not in the bowling alone. It's in Washington, D.C. The size and scope of the swamp that has done this to the American people, that has grown the power of government, that has grown the scope of government uh, 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 budgets, that has dominated the, the reality, that has dominated the reality uh, of, of people Across this country, it's extraordinary. And the idea that the trust is, is equally at anybody's the media is probably the greatest betrayer of trust that I've seen that you can imagine that is possible. It's unbelievable to watch. And you're seeing it again. The, the, the Durham report is one of those. The, uh, the reality of, uh, of what we're seeing in the government. The, the, you know, one of the things I was going to say is, do you realize how often Adam Schiff, the congressman from California, uh, Eric Swalwell, another congressman from California, some of these others, how often they lied on TV? They just lied on TV and nobody held them accountable. Nobody actually said you can't get away with that. They just let it happen. And the media just let it happen. And the media just stands around, pretends that there's not this incredible you know, a uh, uh, gap in the president's current president Biden's mindset, his functioning. It's just crazy. Same thing with uh, the, the Ukraine. Same thing with the Ukraine. We're told just trust, send the money where we have to send the money, send the money. We're not allowed to know where the money goes. We're not allowed to know how it's going. We're just told to shut up and, and, and pay. Just sh- shut up and pay. It's uh, it is incredible to watch the the betrayal of the American people by the swamp. It's drain the swamp. It's not our systems have broken down. You're bowling alone. It's drain the swamp. We must drain the swamp. You want to get to the bottom of this? Drain the swamp. You want to improve things? Drain the swamp. That's the number one thing you could do. That's the thing that could change things dramatically. 
not tell me that uh, uh, David Hogg and that there's going to be a movement towards towards uh, towards um, uh, 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 gun control. It's it's just it's the craziest idea that anyone can float, and they do it with a straight face. Yeah, they do it with a complete straight face. So we'll see. We'll dig into the Dern report. We'll find out. I tell you, if you're someone like Carter Page, uh, Mike Flynn, some of these people that had to survive the targeting of that thing, it, it must be unbelievable to watch this come out. And and the media is going to uh, you know just look the other way, move on. Next thing. Your life was just, I I can't say the lives are destroyed, but your lives are damaged. Major league damage. And you're just, oh yeah, just move on. You know, there's nothing to see here. Amazing. Amazing to watch. All right. uh, That's all we got. That's what you need to know. Uh, We will uh, come back and we will talk. Today we've got two guests. Uh, We're going to talk with Mark Ludwig. That'll be a bit bit of a feel-good story. Mark, oh, I'm sorry. Gosh, I'm looking at my notes now. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. What you need to know about broken trust and we'll talk with John Zadrozny in a few moments from America First Legal. He was down at the border. He was down at the border a few days before Title 42 expired, the day of, and stayed a day or so after. You want to talk about broken trust? We're actually we're allowing people to come into our country, lie about their status, and then giving them a, a, a free reign, free run in America. And, 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 you know, and we're pretending that that's no big deal. This is not like some argument. This The law exists. We're supposed to have a law. We're supposed to have the law upheld. And the executive branch, the president of the United States, is not bothering to uphold the law. Not even trying. What you need to know is that the trust, why? And the answer is why? The, the, the question is why? And the answer is because that's what they want politically. They want to grow the size and scope of government. They want to grow the prospect of voters. Actually, I will tell you, I think it's a mistake on the Democrats' part. I think a lot of these first, a lot of these illegal immigrants, if they are not deported and not pushed out, I don't think they're as sympathetic to the uh, the crazy uh, left-wing uh, radicals in, in power. But be that as it may, that's what they want to do, and they're doing it. And we're pretending it's okay. We're, we're, there, there's not a wholesale rebellion against the fact that our border is open. John Zadrozny will talk about that in a moment. And then uh, we'll visit with Mark Ludwig. Mark Ludwig is working state-by-state state to try to get family-friendly uh, legislation passed. He is a heroic guy. He is a really, really good guy uh, and has been at it for, I think, almost seven seven years, maybe longer. We'll see what he has to say on that. All right, so all that, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email, and we'll be right back. Ed Martin on the ProAmerica Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, it's time. It's been a little bit of a little while and I wondered what was going on. And now I've got uh, uh, some clarity just off the air uh, talking to our old friend John Zadrozny. And um, he was uh, he was down uh, last week. He was down at the border as Title 42 expired. He was down there before uh, and he also was down there or stayed through down I think, in the El Paso area. He is, of course, the deputy director of investigations for America First Legal. If you go to AF legal.org aflegal.org you can see about all their different work so welcome back john how are you 
I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me on, as always. So the press, the media I noticed early in the week this week is saying things like, well, it's not as bad as it was supposed to be, meaning they described it as like most of us thought it's, it is going to be the end of the world. It still looks like it to me uh, or the end of the nation in many ways. Uh, but they're trying to say it wasn't as bad as they thought. What? So uh, what is the reality on the ground? What did you see? How did you experience it? What's your assessment? Again, uh, John Zadrozny, Deputy Director of Investigations. He's an attorney as well, was a prosecutor up in uh, New York city um so he has knows his way around a lot of this so what did you see well i, I don't know what those people were talking about ed but uh <laughs> basically the, what had been happening at the border for two years um is basically having a really deleterious effect on places like el paso and other cities along the border i was in el paso uh which i, I was first in 10 years ago it was a beautiful little city uh it's disgusting now no offense to the people who live there but it has been destroyed by the left and, and, I, and by that, I don't just mean the Biden administration. I mean by the useful idiot leftists that run that city now. Um, we had the privilege of getting there before Title 42 technically got pulled down. Um, we drove around the city a bit as a group. And one thing we, we drove by uh, was uh, Saint, uh, sorry, Sacred Heart Catholic Parish, which has been apparently a, a respite for a lot of the people coming across the border. But it looked like a, a U.N. refugee camp without the charm. Ed. It was disgusting. And the streets around that area have been essentially destroyed. People don't look like they like it. And for what it's worth, that's not just, uh, that's all the residents, including Hispanic Americans who live in that, that town and that city. Uh, and I know for a fact that a lot of the people who own property there are very unhappy. But what was really interesting, Ed, is that, um, you know, we got there, it was a bit of a mess. We saw how disgusting it was. Uh, and then what we, what we noticed was that, uh, they, the, the city police started moving in to clean up. And they were cleaning up, not because the city residents deserved cleanup or they deserved law enforcement, because the feds had asked them to clean those people out because there'd be a lot of media down there. And because oh, really? they wanted the room. Yeah. <laughs> and and because they wanted the room for uh, more of the illegal aliens that they'd be letting in in the following days. So clearly the federal government thought it was going to be a disaster. They were preparing for it. They didn't want the optics of the city being disgusting. So they pushed people out. In fact, we literally uh, some of the people I was with got video of El Paso Metro Police literally pushing people out of an alley uh, with their bags and their garbage uh, so that they would go away. Mm. And it's it's a reminder, too, like the left doesn't really care about humanitarian treatment of people. Uh, they care about the political value of letting people in illegally. But when it comes to the treatment of individual human beings, they really don't care about them. Uh, we're talking again, John Zadrozny. Uh, he was down on the border. He's the deputy director of investigations of America First Legal. America First Legal is aflegal.org. Um, so, John, what happens next? I, I guess, you know, one of the things we're all covering, and there's been coverage, it's been good to see it, and, and it's very disturbing and all. But what happens next? I did see some, uh, some of the, um, uh, coverage showed that, that people are admitted and and they are processed in some way. So it's not, you know, for people that aren't paying attention, they are put into the system, meaning they're what? Told, okay, you're here. I, I, I was saying last week that the first act that we've asked these people to do is lie because they have to basically say they're here for a reason that doesn't matter whether it's true or not. And maybe in some cases it is, but generally it's not. They've been told how to answer the question, right? So they, they are technically processed. Well, it depends on how you view the view that. And so one thing that is supposed to happen, what's supposed to happen in their system is very straightforward. If you come into the country illegally, you're either supposed to be turned around and sent back to Mexico. Um, you are supposed to be detained right. or you are supposed to be removed. And in a really small percentage of, and I mean, super small percentage of circumstances, you can be paroled into the country. And that's for very limited things. Like, for example, 
you're attending a family funeral and you don't have time to get a visa or you're, you've been stabbed and we need to get you to a hospital and the only place that can save your life is on the American side of the border. Uh, those are the only circumstances in which you should be paroled into the country. What the Biden administration has essentially been doing since day one is basically saying, uh, okay, you're here, uh, go to the country and we'll call you at some point for an asylum hearing. They were doing, in, in 2021, for example, they were doing something which is completely illegal. They, they, the traditional piece of paperwork you're supposed to be issued as an alien is what's called a notice to appear or an NTA. And the notice right. to appear is supposed to give you a court date. It's basically supposed to identify you, take your information down, your contact information down, and give you a court date. The value of that is several fold. But one important aspect of that is if you don't show up, your claim gets rejected. Uh, so what they were doing is they made up this new form out of whole cloth without permission called the notice to uh, report, which means they were basically let in without any A number or any additional instructional paperwork other than Go to a nice facility in the city where you choose to settle, and then you'll get a court date. Well, okay, ask yourself this question. How many people are going to do that? Very few did. Some did, apparently. They were given poor information. Some of these offices were closed and not accepting people. Uh, the bottom line is they were breaking the law because they were doing something they weren't allowed to do. So, yes, they're being processed in that they are encountering a federal official who is talking to them, probably giving them a sandwich, and then telling them to do something else. But what processed in a lawful administration means detention and removal, Unless you are one of a handful of people who actually have a valid asylum cl- a claim, and then we can figure out what to do with you at that point. Uh, but they're not processing in a legal way. What they're basically doing is just letting people in. And um, and does it does is the expectation? I, I, I mean, I, I know I don't know that it matters too much, but is it will it slow now? Was it? Or, or I, I know I heard reports last week um, that they were people were masked at the border, and that and that. But you know, I wondered about is is the more likely scenario that people are sending back word, um, you know, to their home country that hey, it is working. Come on down. What 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 is the expectation of the future? Uh, well, I agree with you, Ed. I, I think one of the, the biggest downsides of Title 42 is the, the telephone game messaging aspect. Um, we know for a fact that the Biden administration was not using Title 42 as effectively as the Trump administration was. The Trump administration was using it completely across the board. There were exception, a couple of very minor exceptions, but the, for the most part, if you were a human being who came to the U.S. border trying to get in, we used Title 42 and said you may not enter, and a lot of people turned around. And that had a very positive effect from a messaging standpoint, because once the message got home saying you're not getting in, the flow of people slowed down. Now, the Biden administration has essentially turned Title 42 into Swiss cheese. They've created exceptions upon exceptions. Uh, and I think uh, one of the groups I believe was that was being excluded effectively was uh, any single males that were trying to come in. But exceptions for fake family units. I mean, there were family units. Some were probably real. Some were probably fake. The bottom line is they had carved it up to the point where it wasn't really as effective as it was. That doesn't matter, though. When the message gets out internationally saying you can get in now much more easily than before, that has a multiplier effect. So I'm waiting to see how many people are going to start making movements from other countries. There were apparently settlements. I mean, this is a a testament to the failure of the third worldism of Joe Biden. There was a camp of illegal aliens parked on U.S. soil south of a fence waiting for Title 42 to expire. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm sure it wasn't the only one. Right. I have no idea what was actually done to address it. But like, that's just I don't even have words for that, Ed, because that's just a complete and total failure of the government's service to us. And so I think it's going to get ugly. It may not get ugly immediately. It takes a little while for transport to happen. Um, But I think it's going to get uglier. We're going to see that soon. 
Uh, again, we're, we're talking with uh, uh, we're talking about the border and Title 42. And, um, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking back for these. Uh, I got a, an email from somebody who is down on the border. I thought of you I meant to forward it to you to ask you what you'd you'd thought. I mean, one of the things John Zadrozny is our guest, uh, John, uh, Deputy Invest- Deputy Director of Investigations over at America First Legal, AFLegal.org, um, is, is you must be getting tips. Right. I mean, at a certain point, AF legal. First of all, are there legal actions that can be taken at this point? There was some things that were playing out. But basically, you're in this funny position where since it's the federal government that has to stand sort of up for <laughs> we the people, uh, a lot of the options go away. But you must also be getting a lot of tips from people on what's going on. What's the state of uh, sort of influx of information and then what's possible in terms of legal action? Well, I think we are getting some information here and there, Ed, from people who are working inside the government saying, hey, look, we know this isn't they're not doing this thing they're supposed to be doing. They're breaking the law. And uh, we get those every now and then in, in terms of what's going on to stop what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we are involved some, in some litigation and there is some there's other litigation, too. For example, you probably saw um, that suit. Uh, Ashley, we talked about it, I think, last time. Ed, yeah. Uh, the Florida Attorney General's office won that wonderful lawsuit against the Biden administration for basically making up programs out of whole cloth without congressional authorization. And they said, no, you can't do that. Now, the, the they tried to appeal it at the very last minute. Um, they, you know, bootstrapping a problem and then claiming a need for an emergency stay of the injunction. And the judge, Judge Weatherall, basically said, have a seat. Uh, you, you know, you, you guys have completely blown this and you're not doing this right. And it's basically you're not following federal law. Uh, so there are other suits I'm sure that are going to pop up. The bottom line is anything that we can do from a litigation standpoint to stop these illegal, these illegal actions by this administration are important. They are trying to basically manipulate the process and say that everything they're doing is just a, a variation on what's allowed by law, but it's not because law is very clear. Again, you are allowed to be detained, turned around, detained, and removed. And every with a with super minor number of exceptions, you can be paroled into the country. What they've done is inverted that. They've basically made the norm the parole process. Right. And I, for what for what it's worth, that I think that the, the left's uh, complete violation of the rule of law here during this administration gives, God willing, the next Republican administration an awful lot of leeway for removing people because almost everyone who's in the country is here illegally. Yeah. Um, the, 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 just because a federal government does something doesn't mean it's lawful. Well, that's one of the talking points they've been using. They've been saying, you know, it's like, like I am the law. If we let them in, right, it's lawful. Right. It's not. Right. And right. I think um, we're going to um, have. Uh, uh, John Zadrozny is our guest, deputy director of investigations over at America First Legal. But, John, an attorney, you practice, you're a prosecutor. Um, you've been uh, around the policy issues. I guess what I want to know is uh, it feels worse now that we have either lawfare where the law is used against certain citizens for based on on a, a, a what looks like either an ideology or a preference maybe just call it a preference say you know i don't like you know that you're a white former marine in new, in new york who stood up so i'm going to charge you with manslaughter uh, and then but that's one version and you know you, there's lots of examples of lawfare but then this sort of willful uh disregard for the law and i i i hearken it back to after roe v wade happened up in michigan the attorney general of michigan immediately said i know there's a law that bans abortion in my state i i it was not it was not active the law was not able to be enforced because of roe v wade but i don't care that roe v wade has been reversed i will not enforce the law and i thought holy cow like that's that's beyond you know john is it worse than it's ever been or are we seeing it more than we've ever seen it 
that's a great question, Ed. I think it's worse than it's ever been. I, I, and I say this from my personal experience as yeah, having been a prosecutor yeah, yeah, right. yeah, in, a bl- in a blue jurisdiction where you know, there were Democrats and Republicans, but pro- law, public safety, crime taken seriously, it wasn't put through a political lens, at least as far as I could tell. Um, I'm sure other people could echo that based on their experiences. It does seem to be worse than it's ever been. It does seem to be that we now have people who they put their job through a political filter. And if the thing they're supposed to do hurts their enemies, uh, then they'll do it. If the thing they're supposed to do could be perceived to help their enemies, they won't do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I also get a kick out of the fact the left is usually the first group to bust out the rule of law talking point when trying to stop the right, right from doing something. Right, right, right. Um, but it's usually not the case. In fact, I found that uh, for the most part, conservatives are more apt to be the ones to say, look, I wish I could do something different, but the law says X and that's what the law says. And you see that in a lot of federal cases where the judges, the, the judges that are being honest with you are the ones who are saying, look, uh, I don't have the authority to do that thing. I'm constrained. The law says X and the, therefore the plaintiff should do X. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's really it, frustrating. It, it, I do it, think it's it does, worse. Yeah, it does seem worse, but I, I, it, you know, it's one of these things where partly, th- thankfully, we're seeing it. But the other thing that's a little odd, John, to me is it used to be when you shined a light on this um, kind of thing, it would get a response. It was almost like you'd scurry away, like you know, I, I, it's a little too dramatic, but and and if I say cockroaches, people will say I'm talking about people. I'm not talking about people. I'm saying if you've ever lived in a place that had cockroaches, and I did, when you put the lights on, they scurried into hiding. It used to be when you saw people be lawless, meaning the in- lack of enforcement of the border and all. When you shined a light on it, it would modify behavior. It doesn't modify behavior with this administration. No, Ed, and I too lived at a place where there were cockroaches, and that's exactly what happens. They run for the hills. But right. I, no, I I don't quite know what that's what's going on. My best theory on that, Ed, is that the left now has its full lockstep um, me- mechanism with the media, and so the media is going to cover for them. So there's a laziness there built in by the defense from the mainstream media and other outlets, right? So whereas in the past, even you know a, a WABC, like a you know the big networks. NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, they enjoyed a little bit of coverage from pointing out hypocrisy of government officials. Uh, they don't do that now because yeah. now they're basically part of the apparatus and they're shilling yeah. for them. Yeah. I mean, that's my theory. Yeah, no, no, I think it's I think it sounds sounds like a plausible one. There's probably a couple different ways you can go with it. But all right, John, John Zadrozny, everybody, deputy director of investigations for America First Legal. He was down on the border before Title 42 expired and then stayed down there there. So uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll continue to be digging into it. He, again, is uh, over at America First Legal. If you go to AFlegal.org, you can find out more about all the different work they're doing. Uh, thanks very much, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. Great to talk to you as always. Okay, good talking to you. We'll take a break, everybody, and come back. I'll put up on social media uh, links to uh, John's work over there. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My friend, Mark Ludwig, he's been a friend of mine for probably 15 years, maybe more. Um, and he's out there across the country, really, uh, in, in lots of different communities, local communities, state communities. Americans for Equal Shared Parenting is a group. It's not a group that he leads. It's a group that he started out of his own experience with his family, with his son. Uh, and across the country, uh, they have events. They have, um, I think they would, uh, growing, they have grown their expertise and a grow growing uh, leadership role. And so Mark Ludwig uh, joins us. It's been a while since we had you on, Mark. So welcome back. How are you, sir? 
Ah, doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you, Mark. Before we get into the uh, specifics of what has happened and is happening, a lot of legislative sessions racing to the end. Give our uh, listeners a refresher on, you know, on the website right now, if you go to AFESP.com, that's Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com, you'll see 5050 in 2022 is a line I see there. Give us this sort of uh, a summary of what, you know, equal shared parenting means, why it's so important. Yeah, basically the, the premise is that every child deserves a equal right to both of their parents after divorce. Uh, unfortunately, in the overwhelming majority of cases across the country for the last couple decades, after the a child would have equal access the day before the divorce, but the day after the divorce, one of those parents would be relegated to an every other weekend visitor with maybe a dinner on Wednesday nights. And all the social science has showed that a child needs that. And and I believe that. I think God intended it that way. That's why opposites attract. Each has a strength and each has a weakness. So what we wanted to do is, is create some laws. And I worked, it's not just me. There's a whole team of organizations and people that have worked on this. But Trying to say that, hey, the, the child is, they're already confused enough that the parents are getting a divorce. The last thing you need is getting even more confusion where you pull one of those parents out of their lives. So the premise is that the child should start the case having equal access to both parents. Now it's what we call a rebuttable presumption. So a judge still has discretion right. in case a parent is unfit, unwilling, or unable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking again. Mark Ludwig is uh, my friend, and he uh, helps. He runs the uh, organization, but it's a uh, it's a labor of love. It's a uh, I've been to speak. I've spoken at their events, and and you get a cross section of uh, not just. By the way, it's not just fathers. It's not a fathers group only. There's moms there. There's uh, uh, grandparents there. They're saying, "Hey, wait, you know, we need this." As he said, uh, equal shared parenting is the starting point. And there's lots of uh, lots of specifics, lots of specific instances. But the problem is, as we've talked about before, Mark and others have highlighted. Uh, the system seems to be skewed often, often against one of the parents, and often that's the father. So, all right, Mark. So across the country, legislatures have opportunities to take up fixes and and ways to say, "Hey, wait, this is what we prefer." Maybe to illustrate that best, tell me what happened in Missouri in the last couple of weeks. The legislative session ended last week, last Friday. So, what what went on? What happened? How to go down? And and I think congratulations on some success. Yeah, yeah, this is exciting. A lot of us have been working. I've been working on it eight years. I know there's at least two people in Missouri have been working on it nine years, and it's been blocked every single year. Uh, this year, we finally got it through. It, the challenge in Missouri had always been the Senate. Uh, this year, we passed the Senate first, so it went over to the House. Uh, I don't know if your listeners from around the country know, but there was a lot of the traditional infighting between members of the Senate, members of the House, and then the two chambers fighting amongst each other especially in the last week of session. So it literally came down to the wire. We didn't know if it was going to be, ha- if it was going to happen. Uh, I met with the speaker of the house on Wednesday and it wasn't a guarantee at that point. And uh, session ended at six o'clock on Monday. It passed at four fifty-five on Monday, an hour and five minutes before the close of session. So it came down to the wire this year. 
Uh, and what what exactly? I think you said Monday. You meant to say Friday, right? Didn't it? Doesn't it end Friday. on Friday? Yeah, Friday, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Friday was the end of session for the yeah, year. Friday. You, I think I heard Monday, but maybe I'm not, not listening well enough up. So tell me what it does. Tell me what this one does. Is this the best we can do? Is this the best you could do? Is it? You mentioned you've been at it eight years. I know you've been slogging away in a lot of parts <laughs> of the country for a long time. What, what, what does this one do? And you know, is it good enough? What would you prefer? And where are we? You know, in terms of having people really understand this. You know, we still have more to go, but this law basically starts with the premise that a child is presu- there's a rebuttable presumption that a child has 50 50 access to both parents the day after a divorce. So the key is that a child is, isn't going to be relegated as an every other weekend visitor to one parent, which creates sort of a, a subordinate relationship with the two parents. And it's very confusing for a child. So now a child will have equal time throughout the year. Uh, you know, 182 days, basically, with, with both parents throughout the year. And uh, there's still some other things that we'd like to get. Uh, we did also add on to this one, Senator Carla May, who's a Democrat, really uh, was the one who, who got this through, um, some due process for arrearages in child support. Currently mm. in Missouri, uh, if you're $2,500 behind in child support, you can have your driver's license, your professional licenses taken away. And there are people who intentionally try to avoid child support, but there's a lot of other people when $2,500 is the limit, you know, it could take six months before you get a modification if you lose your job. Well, in that period of time, you're easily going to fall $2,500 behind. So she has a due process uh, set up in this bill also that a judge has to look at what was the intent and would it allow the person to still continue to to make a living before they remove someone's license. So all in all, it was a two for one deal. We're pretty excited in Missouri here. Uh, we're talking to Mark Ludwig. Mark, uh, again, uh, put people know uh, AFES, AFESP, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com. Mark, um, how is the movement going? You've talked in the past to me about how it kind of ebbs and flows. People seem to get it. I mean, to me, the onslaught, the uh, the, the sort of, Division of our family by all kinds of means is, is just wild. You know, we could, we could have a different discussion about divorce law, you know, no fault divorce, how much that's changed. We could have a discussion about family courts. You know, we've had, I've had frequent guests on some investigative reporters talking about how unfair and uneven the family courts are. You've talked about equal shared parenting. Um, where is the movement? Do we, you know, me too was such a mess in my opinion you know an instinct was fine no one should be abused no one should be uh, taken advantage of but a lot of these things went too far and and the too far part of it is is i hope swinging back but where is this movement for for uh equal shared parenting and and sort of a balanced approach to these very difficult questions well uh, we actually have two things going on (laughs) opposite directions in red states there's a very positive momentum going on. We also, two weeks ago, Florida passed a very similar bill, uh, and they've been working for just as long. And the Florida bill, I could be wrong, but I think there were only two no votes in the entire House in Florida. So in red states, we're doing great. Uh, last year, West Virginia passed a law. Arkansas passed a rock-solid law two years ago. Kentucky passed a law. So red states are doing very, very well. Blue states are doing the opposite with this Cadence law, where they're allowing basically red flag laws to come up for, uh, you know, instances where somebody can just allege child abuse or allege domestic abuse. 
and one parent automatically is going to be removed as a as a parent. So blue states are going in one direction, red states are going the other direction at this point. The uh, it's um, and that's that seems to be pretty common. Is there anything that you could or would expect at the federal level? I know obviously it's split government. You're not going to probably get it past the Senate and this president. <laughs> but is the is the U.S. House is Republican leadership in the House an opportunity at least sort of um, I don't know uh, educate the the uh, the the country on the issues and maybe set the table for the future? Yeah, thanks for asking on that. I'm glad you did. Actually, Andy Biggs, our mutual friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great guy. Uh, actually filed a bill last month. It's the first of many he's going to be filing. And as you said, in the short term, it's not going to do a lot. But it basically is trying to reduce the budget for uh, Title 4D, which is what Phyllis Schlafly right. uh, back 25 years ago was one of the first people saying this is going to create a fatherless society. And she was dead on in all of her predictions. But Andy Biggs has started filing. He filed the first, uh, but he has several more he'll be filing uh, this coming year. So we are starting to, but as you said, until we get a larger control of Congress, there's really nothing major going to happen yet. Well, again, uh, let me just encourage you, Mark. I, you've, you've been you've been one of the great um, uh, advocates in terms of um, sticking to it, you know. And and for people that think, oh, I got a winning position, I'll just get this done in a weekend, you know, or or two weeks or a month. Uh, it's years long uh, issue. And uh, again, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFE. SP.com. There's a lot of there, there resources that people want to learn more resources that they want to reach out and see what's happening in your local community. Thank you for all you're doing and uh, keep us in the loop, Mark. All right. Thanks again, Ed. All right. Mark Ludwig, everybody. I will put up on social media a link to his website and uh, watch that. It's an important issue. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that uh, the family is um, is damaged and uh, Mark and his uh, crew. And it's it's a it's a band of brothers and sisters, volunteers and others who have stepped up. So congratulations to him and for Missouri uh, for doing the right thing. So we will uh, take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Not so long ago, Donald Trump truthed on his Truth Social platform that the New York City prosecutor should be held accountable for the crime of interference in a presidential election. Joe Biden's Department of Justice is filled with Trump haters, so the responsibility of providing a necessary check and balance on this abuse of power falls to the Republican House of Representatives. This whole kerfuffle started when New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg set his sights on Donald Trump with bogus charges in an attempt to interfere with Trump's chances in the 2024 presidential contest. Trump also truthed, Remember, the same animals and thugs that would do this to perhaps 200 million people are the communist, Marxist, rhinos, and losers that are purposely destroying our country. House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik truthed on Trump's platform, the two-tiered justice system in America is fully on display with this prosecution of Trump. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who has already shown his effectiveness by standing strong against raising the debt ceiling, asked House committees to review what federal funding goes to county prosecutors who are interfering with national candidates like D.A. Bragg is. While this is a good first step, more is needed to protect our presidential elections against county prosecutors. 
The U.S. House should immediately conduct a full investigation into who is pushing for an outdated assertion of discredited charges against Donald Trump, even as presidential debates are set to begin in mere months. The silver lining is that the American people may finally realize how prosecutions are increasingly being weaponized for political gain. Often these political shenanigans are done at the expense of actually going after actual criminals, like their job description calls for. If you are wondering why crime is skyrocketing in so many American cities, look to the prosecutors who neglect cracking down on it so they can play politics. The U.S. House can and should safeguard our elections and our communities by exposing these crooked prosecutors for the rogue political hacks that they are. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I was um, just getting looking through some of the notes uh, for an event next week that's taking place, a patent event. We have it every year. We have a patent event. Phyllis Schlafly wrote about patents. If you have not studied the American patent system, you're missing out on one of the things that makes America so special. The reason is we have in our Constitution protection for people who create writers, authors, and especially patent holders, that for a period of time, you get the patent. It's extraordinary. Anyway, it's a great, great history, but it's the reason why thousands and thousands of inventions took place in America, not in other places, because people that could come to America, they knew they could do it here. You know, the original Tesla was a great uh, scientist and Edison and others. They, they, you know, 130, 140 years ago, as the Industrial Revolution exploded, coming to America gave you the best chance to make it because if you made it, you could keep it at least for a while. You don't get it forever. There's a certain point where some of the, the some of the copyrights and others uh, expire or, you know, the period of, of protection. But you had to be open about it. You had to file the patent so people could see it so they would know. It's a great system. Check it out. Anyway, all right, we got to run. Thank you to Noah Dingley, speaking of great, and uh, Ryan Hyde, our associate producer. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll find out more about that event at phyllisschlafly.com. See you tomorrow. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.